We are going, uh, continuing our series, talking about the transformed life. The transformed life. Um, the first thing about being transformed is we have to, first of all, see the need. I have to see that I need to be transformed. If I don't ever see the need, then I'll never change. If I don't see where it's important for me to become what I need to be, I'm never going to change. And as I find myself getting just a little bit older, and my work is more physical than it ever has been before, but I really enjoy it. But then every time, every now and then I start to raise my arm up and my shoulders start hurting me and my body saying, you really need to work out. You really need to start exercising. You need to start laying off of those snacks that you have to have. Everybody's got to have snacks. Amen. We got to have sodas. But until I really understand how I'm treating my body and I recognize the need I will never transform into who I need to be. Can you all agree on today? How many of us can say, you don't have to raise your hand, there's some things about us that we need to transform. I know that's the way I used to do it, but I can't do it that way. And I know my mom and my dad, they cooked everything in Crisco oil and lard and all that other stuff. But now with everything that's being put in our food and everything we're being exposed to, we can't live the way they used to live. And we have to live according to knowledge. So let's talk about transformation. Again, let's put up the definition. What is transformation? It is what? Let's read this together. A thorough or dramatic change in form or appearance. It is a thorough and dramatic. Were we the same people we were in 2017 that we are today? Has there been a dramatic or a thorough change? In our former appearance, there should be. You don't have to change your hair. You don't have to change your shoes or how you dress. But at some point, someone should be able to see, you know, I, I can see you've gotten a little older. And you're, you're, I can see where you're a little more mature than you were a little while ago. But there has to be the definition of, or excuse me, there has to be a, def- a defining of what our transformation should be. Now, our transformation comes based upon what we know. Your transformation comes based upon what you know. When you see other people in other places, you ask, well, how did you get there? Well, I went through this type of training and this type of certification. Really? And that's all it takes? Or that's what it takes? You say, yes. So now I changed my life, I rearranged things, and I become smarter. Now, technology has always been been evolving, and we know that things that we're just now seeing were actually developed 20 and 30 years ago. But I remember as a small child, I remember so many things about my childhood. I remember I was about nine months old, and and I went on Facebook because, excuse me, not Facebook, I went on YouTube. Because my parents had been giving me bottles and and strained peas and all those other things, but I had to learn how to eat on my own. So I went on on YouTube, and I learned, and I typed in how to eat. And I learned from a YouTube video how to eat, right? How many of you did that? Nine months old? Anybody did that? Seven and a half months. Okay, he's, he's, he's he's an early riser. 
But I learned how to feed myself at, at nine months old. Y'all believe that? Okay, well, so what are y'all calling me? Don't answer that. <laughs> but when it came time for me to learn to ride a bike, I Googled how to ride a bike. I learned how to take the training wheels off and all those other things. And eventually I learned how to ride a bike. How many of you all believe that? Some things in life you are going to learn because other people are going to have to teach you. That's just a fact of life. Some things you will learn because people will teach you. Tying shoes. Somebody's going to teach you how to tie your shoes. A whole lot of things. How to cross the street. But there comes a point in everyone's life where you have got to learn some things on your own. And I'm not talking about hanging out on the street corner with Ray Ray and Junebug and all the mother people. I'm not talking about that type of learning. I'm saying getting your face in a form of knowledge whether it be a book, a magazine, a video, and find out really what happened. What am I supposed to be doing? And start transforming your mind and not just filling it with just anything and everything because our minds always crave information. Your mind always craves information, and you may not think it, but you'll sit down. What's on TV? Well, that ain't no good. That ain't no good. That ain't no good. That's a rerun. That's old. But we want to put information in our minds. How many times can I listen to this song? Oh, I've heard this song before, but it's a good song. But we always want this information. But whatever it is that you're putting in your head, in your mind, is who eventually you will become. And that's part of our transformation. But what if we, what if we say, I'm good just the way I am. And we never change. We never transform. Let's look at what the book of Matthew says. It says, for those of us that believe, it says, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many, many will enter through it. It says, don't look to God. Oh, excuse me, don't look for shortcuts. And this is, excuse me, the first one was the NIV version. I like what the message Bible says. It says, don't look for shortcuts to God. The market is flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life that you can practice in your spare time. There are many ways people tell you just do this. Just do this. And, and you know, just, just, just offer to God what you can give him in your spare time. You know, before you go to bed, read that same scripture, pray that same prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. If you are seven or eight years old, that's fine. But if you're 35 and you're still praying for turtles and frogs, where is where is the transformation? Where is the transformation? We, we've got to grow up. Because whether you like it or not, your body is growing. Why won't, why won't we let our minds grow with our bodies? Why isn't? How old is your body? My body's 47 years old. But how old is your mind? And that's an open-ended question. You have to answer that, not me. And you have to make those kind of decisions. Remember that... When you're driving, those of you, how many of you here drive? Okay. 
When you're driving, you have to be aware of everything that's going on around you. And I've had in, in all the years of driving, I've had my share of accidents. And I'm not proud of it. The last accident I had, I was on the interstate and was trying to look over my shoulder and all these other things. And I rear-ended a woman in front of me. She was in front of me and I hit her. But there have been accidents to where people have been in my blind side. And I, I didn't recognize that they were there. If I would have checked once, if I would have just taken the time to check my mirrors, to see what was around me, because what, what's around you affects how you're transformed. What's around you, we can say, oh, that don't bother me, but what's around you affects how you operate and how you drive your vehicle. So even though the windshield is in front of you, you have mirrors on your car and you have to check your mirrors. If you get behind the wheel of your car, you have got to check your mirror because, and people they may disagree with me, but at some point in your life, you're going to have to back up. So you've got to know what's behind you. Y'all agree with me? It's not always forward moving. Sometimes we make mistakes and we're like, whoa, I knew something in here was telling me I shouldn't have done that. So what I got to do, I got to look in my mirrors and I got to back up. And, and they teach us on our job that when you pull into a parking space, remember what's on your left, remember what's on your right. And they even tell us to walk around the vehicle before you drive off because we don't always check our mirrors. But what is the Bible? And, and, and the focus I want to say, get to is on this. What does the Bible say about mirrors? What does the Bible say about mirrors? Mirrors serve two purposes. They are to show you or to see where you are and to see where you've been. Two purposes of mirrors say to see where you are and to see where you've been. So I'm going to look at where I am right now. I'm sorry, ladies, y'all look good. You, you don't have to, y'all don't need this. I borrowed this from you, but y'all look good. Okay. Take my word for it. So I'm going to put this mirror here. And this mirror will show me where I am. Or excuse me, who I am. It says who you are. Proper English, something like that. So this shows me, oh, my shirt was, why didn't y'all tell me? You know the difference between men and women? Because a man, if you tell him, hey man, you got something on your face, you know what he does? And what does a woman do? I got something on my face. (laughs) A woman looks in the mirror. Don't y'all? Come on now. Man just white. oh, I got something. A woman, because I've got to see myself. I've got to see who I am. That's one of the purposes of the mirror, to see who you are. So I see myself, and I see my imperfections. I see that the clothes my wife picked out for me, they, they're matching at least. Maybe, maybe they look better in the store on the mannequin on the dummy. But I see who I am. Don't laugh. I see who I am, and this defines and shows me specifically who I am. Come here, Caleb. So, don't be scared. Now, you see who you are, but when she sees, you see yourself in the mirror? Can you, can you really? Okay. She sees herself in the mirror, but this is my mirror, and she's in the picture with me. 
She sees a reflection of herself, and I see a reflection of herself, and I see a reflection of me. But this defines who I am. Why? Because I let her come into my life. And the, the mirror is a reflection of who I am. Her being, y'all get this, her being in the, in the mirror with me, and everyone, everyone, stay right there, everyone who is in the mirror with me, tells about who I am. But you know, I wish I had long, beautiful hair like you, so get out of my mirror. And I'm a, oh, oh, no, she didn't. So I kick her out of the mirror, but that too defines who I am. Oh, you, you can't be around people who look better than you or taller than you or have more money than you, that drive a better car than you. The mirror defines and it shows who you really are. And the mirror never lies. The mirror will never, ever lie. The second thing about a mirror is to see where you've been. To see where you've been. No one in here needs to live in the past. Don't live in the past. But I remember... And I wrote this ahead of time, but on Thursday night, we were on our way here for a Bible study, and I had to go pick up Mother. What's normally 15 minutes for me to get to her house and maybe 20 minutes to get here to the church was an hour and a half drive because of traffic. But at some point, we came down Kimball Terrace over in Norfolk, and we turned onto Battle or Ballantyne Boulevard, and traffic was moving slow, and the light would turn green, and we moved forward a couple of spaces, the light would turn red. But it got to the point where I was able to look in the mirror and I could see where I've been. And I could look back and say, man, I'm glad I'm not there anymore. Look, Lord, how far you've brought me. And I look back in my mirror. We, we stand in line. We're waiting for tickets. We stand in line at the DMV. And you're like, man, how long is this going to take? And then after a while, you look and you say, man, I'm glad I'm not there anymore. Y'all understand? You don't want to live in the past, but you want to be able to look in the mirror and say, Lord, thank you for not leaving me there, not having me to stay in that place anymore. So remember the purposes of the mirror, not to live in the past and to dwell in the past, but to remember who you are as well as where you've been. The book of James Chapter 1, and this is from the Message Bible. It says, don't fool yourself into thinking that when you are anything, letting the word go in one ear and out the other. Act on what you hear. You walk away. Oh, excuse me. All right, verse 23. Those who hear it and don't act on it, I like those who glance in a mirror. Walk away and two minutes later, they have no idea who they are or what they look like. They have no idea who they are and what they look like. The King James Version, for some of you that may know, says, be doers of the word and not just hearers only. Because when we hear the word and we don't act upon it, we deceive ourselves. 
But we look in the mirror and we turn away and then two minutes later, we forget what we look like. God says you're beautiful. God says you're blessed. God says I have a plan for you. And then you walk out the church door. Somebody says something to you and you forgot what you look like. And I'm not saying accept every word that everybody speaks of you, but, but when I tell you that you, you have a purpose. Doris, you have a purpose. You know you have a purpose. You have a purpose. All of these young children here, they all have a purpose. And believe that. And, and the word, I'm not pumping anybody up. I'm telling you what the word of God says. But you walk away and then two minutes later, well, I, I know that's what they said in church, but is that really who I am? If that's what God's word says, then that's who you are. So I want to I give you some examples of people in their different levels of transformation. Different levels of transformation. And understand, first of all, before you all see this, that God is no respecter of persons. God doesn't see black or white. God doesn't see male or female. We are all fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm standing in front of you now, but you think God loves me any more than he loves you? I think not. I think not. So what you're about to see, what I want to explain to you, get out of our natural minds about the physical and think about the spiritual. The first person that I want to talk about is the ignorant. The ignorant. You see my face and you see it as being white. But I'm not white. I'm not white on my skin. You think I'm white on my skin, but I'm really white in my mind. Why do you say white in your mind? Because the white is clear. Shows no dirt. But I'm the type of person I'm like this. If it needs to get done, I'll get it done. I work hard. I have a good family. I have great friends. I do what's required of me. But at the end of the day, if you've done anything for me, it's because I did something for you first. I don't need you. And you don't need me. Whatever I got, I worked for it and I did it on my own. But I'll tell you this much. I don't hate God. You go to church, fine. I don't hate God. I just don't need God. I've got a white face. So what does the Bible say about this? It says, as in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. In the book of Genesis where it talks about Noah and the ark, God said, I was so sorry that I created man because all he ever thought about was evil. And then in 1 Peter chapter 4, it says, and if it's so hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? But there are too many people walking around. And I say this jokingly. There are so many whites in the world. 
There are more whites in the world. There are more whites because they say, I don't hate God. I just don't need God. Amen? So who's my second person? He's the casual man. I'm the casual man. Guess what? I go to church at least once a month. I don't care what the weather's like. I go to church once a month. Yeah, I I put a little money in the plate and I sing the songs and I have a good time. It's, It's really cool. But with my job and with my family, man, and I bowl on Thursday nights, and when I'm not bowling, I'm playing softball. So I really don't have time for Bible study. But, you know, life is just too short to, you know, spend all that time up in church and, and doing all those things that other people like to do. I mean, God, God is, you know, he, don't get me wrong, it has its place. But it's just, place is just not in me. I love it. I enjoy it. But really, it's just, it's, y'all take it too serious. For me, it's almost just like the video game. I take out a dollar, and, and all it's worth to me is the 50 cents I put in there, or whatever the token is. But at the end of the day, for me, I don't care. Because tomorrow, just like the game, I'll get a new life. I can crash and burn, I'll just get a new life. But when I lay my head down at the end of the day, it's simply... Game over. So what about the casual man? And the Bible says in Jesus' teaching, he says, I liken this story unto the man who heard my word and built his house upon the rock. And rain came and the storm came and the winds blew and the house stood strong. And I'm paraphrasing. But the one who listens to my word but doesn't heed to it, I liken him unto the foolish man. That when the storm came, his house fell. And the rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house. And it fell with a great crash. Because we take God too casually. And then there's a struggle. The struggle. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice. Man, being in church, wow, man, I can cut loose. I'm free. I can be who I want to be. Man, I love it being around all of y'all. Y'all make me feel so good. My own family don't love me like this. I can get on my knees and I can cry and I can pray. Oh, man. Churches, oh man, churches off the hook. I've been missing this for too long, but even after the word is spoken, there's a thing at the end, it's called the benediction. And for you, the benediction is a blessing, but for me, it's the end. Because I know when I leave these doors and these walls, there's a place that I have to face, and it's hard. There's a struggle. It's only Tuesday. How am I going to make it till Sunday? Or even Thursday. I'm going to call you, brother, but oh, he's probably probably eating. I don't want to bother you because I know I've got too many problems. 
So what do I do? I go back into the place that I used to be. Maybe a little drink. Maybe smoke a little weed. It makes me feel good and, and it'll carry me over because, Lord, I know that you died for my sins and I just need you to forgive me one more time. One more time. There were two men who went into the temple, a Pharisee and a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and said, I thank God that I'm not like these other men. I give to the poor and I give a tenth on all that I earn. But the tax collector stood in a distance and he would not even lift his head to heaven. But he beat his breast and said, God have mercy because I'm a sinner. He understands that the struggle is real. He understands that it's not always easy to live this transformed life. And when he leaves these four walls, he knows. He has embedded in his mind that there's going to be a struggle. But can, he, can we humble ourselves or do we stand and thank God that we're not like other people? And then finally, the overdoer. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you. Because you have brought me up from a mighty long way. I've seen so many things. Lord, I've, I've spent time at your feet. I've fasted. Oh, fasting? I don't wait for the church to call a fast. I do it on my own. If they need volunteers, I'm at the front of the line. Oh, man, I do it all. I've had some struggles with you, God. But, you know, I know we go back and forth. But you've made me so much stronger, Lord. I know your word like the back of my hand. And because of you, I'm strong. I'm strong. I'm strong. But sometimes I'm so strong, I get tired. I get tired. I get tired. People are asking me to do this and to do that and the kids are crying and the husband won't act right. And everywhere I go, people are pulling on me. Lord, I'm trying to live for you, but what am I supposed to do? I don't know sometimes what's right and what's wrong. I've been at your feet and I've touched your heart and you've touched mine. But I've gotten to the point, Lord, I'm, I'm weak. I'm weak. I'm weak. Jesus, on the night that he would be betrayed, he went into the Garden of Gethsemane and he went and separated himself from his disciples. And he told him, wait here while I go and pray. And when he came back, they had all fallen asleep. And he asked them, y'all have been with me all of this time and you know that my death is soon to come? I'm sacrificing my life for your eternal life? Couldn't you just pray for one hour? Watch and pray so that you don't fall into temptation. What is temptation? Is temptation always going out and hanging out with the wrong people? Sometimes temptation is, can you do this for me? Yeah, sure, I'll do it. 
knowing you don't have time to do it. Hey, can you hang out with me tonight? Yeah, man, I don't have to be in work till late tomorrow. You're struggling, can't even get up. Temptation is not always what we think it is. Temptation can be trying to do a good thing for a good person, but it's just the wrong time. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I want to tell you, yes. I'm sorry. I just don't. I just don't have time. I'm tapped out. My sin is not your sin. You've got to know your boundaries. And you've got to see yourself in the mirror. And you've got to start asking some, some very poignant questions. Some very, some very real questions to yourself. Do I see the need for transformation? Am I satisfied with who I am? If I don't ever change this about myself, can I live like this the rest of my life? And at the end of the day, can I lay my head on my pillow and say, Lord, I've done all that you have asked of me? Can we? Who's wearing a black mask on today? And, and don't, please, don't raise your hands. And, and when I say you're wearing a black mask, you might wear the black mask for 15 minutes. Or you might wear the black mask for three months. You might wear this mask when no one else is looking around, and you might wear this mask in your struggle when you get around your friends. Who in here is wearing the casual mask? Church is for Sunday. Church is for Easter and Mother's Day. I pray we have no white mask in here. I pray there, there are no white masks. But then how many of us, and we can all say that we're overdoers, but did God tell you to do everything you're doing? We, we had a financial class yesterday, and part of our finances that they're not where they're supposed to be is because we haven't set up a budget. And sometimes, I won't say sometimes, we need to budget our time. We need to learn to budget our time. I was on a conference call with some pastors, my Pastor Wendy and I, and, and the lead pastor, the apostle, asked, what do you do when you struggle and your back's against the wall? Oh, well, you know, I go to uh, uh, one of the other pastors and I talk to him. And, and some even said, yes, I go to counseling. And he said, that's not what I want to hear. Well, the word of God says, and, and don't get me wrong, I love these other pastors. They're great. But they tried to spiritualize. And one pastor said, you know what I do? He says, I get on the floor and I play with my dog every single day. Because he puts it in his budget of time. It can't be all work. It can't be all play. But the first thing is we've got to put God first.